And welcome, everybody, to episode number 14 of the Fighting Irish Daily Blitz. I'm your host, Rob Fiddoff, also known as RPT. You can find me on Twitter, at P Fiddoff. That's at P as in Paul, T as in Tom, H-I-T as in Tom again, O-F-F, Frank Frank, for all Notre Dame Athletic updates. Just go to my Twitter account there, and this episode is presented by BetUS.com. Bet with the three-decade leader, BetUS. Join now for 125% bonus using promo code DSP125. Again, that's promo code DSP125 or a 200% bonus with crypto using promo code DSP200. Again, promo code DSP200. And bet sports, casinos, horses, pop culture, and more at betus.com. You bet, you win, you get paid, betus.com. So if you had gone to my Twitter account this week, you have seen the story, our top recruit for the 2023 class, Keon Keeley. He's out of Tampa, Florida at Berkeley Prep. As I look at my cheat sheet here, he was the 19th recruit ranked nationally for the 2023 class. He was ranked eighth in the state of Florida. And for his position, which is defensive end, he was number two. However, a lot of football analysts had him as the number one recruit in the nation for 2023. So this is a big blow to our 2023 recruiting class. It's not the end of the world. But again, what I've been saying before, we can get all these verbal commitments. But as Malik Zaire, former Notre Dame quarterback on his Lucky Lefty podcast said this week as well, he said the big thing, as we all know, until they sign, the big thing is retention. We have to keep all these verbal recruits to actually sign the day of uh, actual signing day, which is December 15th of this year. I think it's December the 15th. I got to check on that, but it's usually around mid-December. So we will see what happens there. That drops us from the number one recruiting class to the number three recruiting class in both 24-7 and rivals. So again, we can, and again, I love Marcus Freeman right now. He's brought new energy to the program. He's recruiting his butt off. But again, until we, we, we see actual results on the football field, we need big wins, not getting blown out in playoff games, not getting blow out, blow out in the big games. We're not going to pretty much close that gap in the recruiting ranks with the Alabamas, the Ohio States, you know, Clemson, Georgia. And I just thought of this this week, Nick Saban, when he took over at Alabama, he pretty much had to win that 2009 national title before he started getting big number one recruiting classes year after year after year. And the thing was too, like his first season, he went seven and six and lost to Louisiana Monroe. I believe, was that the actual, let me check my, I had this brought up and I thought I remember it on the fly. Obviously I didn't there, but I want to give you the actual facts here. Yes. He lost to Louisiana Monroe his first year in 2007, I believe that, no, it would have been 2000. Yeah. The 2007. So but again, we know what Nick Saban has done recently and just, you know, powerhouse after powerhouse teams. But again, he had to produce results on the field first in order to get those verbal commitments to actually sign on National Signing Day. So I think that's what we have to do here. And, you know, we got to you can get all the recruits you need. And again, top five recruiting classes. It looks like we'll probably have a top five recruiting class, maybe just slightly outside. Because even with Keon Keeley decommitting, I didn't think we were going to have the number one recruiting class 
uh, when all was said and done because Alabama's just really, you know, they, they really make their mark late in the game. So, and now they're the number one recruiting class right now. So it, it's, I didn't think we were going to be number one, you know, all in all. And obviously we're not going to be now with losing Keon Keeley. And I wish him luck. You know, he's got to do what's best for him. And it sounds like, you know, his inner circle is telling him, to, you know, Notre Dame might not be the right fit for him and to look elsewhere. But Notre Dame said you either have to, you know, 100% commit with us now or we got to start looking somewhere else because, you know, if he leaves like he did, we got to look for other defensive ends to make sure we do end up with a solid recruiting class. So just a real quick snippet on recruiting there. My main subject today, and this is more or less my unofficial message to Notre Dame athletic director, Jack Swarbrick, why he hasn't done this yet, but longtime Notre Dame women's basketball coach, Muffet McGraw, she had a hell of a career. One of those careers we probably won't see again. I mean, if you look at her, Pat Summit and Gino Oriema out of UConn. He's probably the greatest women's coach of all time. But Muffet had a hell of a career herself. And I just started to look. I know Tennessee. And as I look at my cheat sheet here for their basketball arena, it's called Thompson Bowling Arena. But it's also called the Summit, meaning Pat Summit Court. More, like, It's called the Summit, but it's more or less Pat Summit Court. It's to honor her for all of her achievements as their women's basketball coach. And usually we don't see that with any women's coach when it comes to basketball. Usually it's, you know, coach K court. It's named after the men's basketball coach and nothing against, you know, former uh, men's basketball coach at Notre Dame. Digger Phelps had a pretty good career. Took us to Notre Dame's only final four to date as, as of this moment, hopefully we eventually do get back to the final four, but that was in 1978. And then Mike Brace had a heck of a career. He's has the most wins of any Notre Dame men's basketball coach. And he took us to two elite eights, his 2015 team. That team was a hell of a team with Pat Connaughton, Jaron Grant, Bonzi Colson was a freshman that year. They just missed beating that great Kentucky team that year in 2015. And I think that had that team went to the final four that year, I think they could have won the national title. And that's the only time in my life I can say that for Notre Dame's Notre Dame men's basketball team. I know the next year he went to an elite eight as well, but that team kind of lucked out in the tournament. They had some lucky wins in the tournament. I don't think that team could have won a national title, but that 2015 team could have, but with coach McGraw pretty much in her last 10 years, any of her teams could have won a national title and looking at her stats right now. And what I'm getting at this too, I don't want to get sidetracked too much, but knowing that Tennessee's gymnasium is named the Summit, I think I don't know. I don't know why he hasn't done it at this point. I know she retired just you know two years ago, going up on actually it'll be three years. This I think she retired in March of 2020 or April. I think it was April of 2020 after the COVID and and I think I think she may still be coaching if there wasn't you know the COVID restrictions at the time. But I think really what kind of made her take a step back to say, this game's changing. I don't want to deal with this, but the transfer portal, a lot of, there were some, even before that, there was numerous, you know, big time signees transferring from the program. And now where you don't have to sit out a year, you can just, it's more or less free agency now in the college game. I think her losing players, you know, 
more quickly now than in times past. And like I said, with the rules changing and everything, and I know with um, North Carolina's coach, uh, Roy Williams, he said that was one of the reasons he retired just because of the whole transfer portal and the game has kind of passed him by. Had those two things, COVID and the transfer portal, I think Coach McGraw still would be coaching as of this moment, but that's a discussion for a later date. But two-time national champion, 2001 and 2018. Luck, I was lucky enough here in Columbus, Ohio, to attend that 2018 Final Four, the greatest in-sporting event I've ever attended. I mean, you had two of the semifinal games went into overtime, and then the Notre Dame game that they won against UConn, last second shot, and then the Eureka shot against Mississippi State, last second shot. You couldn't have wrote a Hollywood script better than that for you know three games in two days to be that competitive and to end the actual championship game that way as well. Again, greatest in sporting sporting event I've ever attended. But again, nine final fours. Incredible. Five ACC tournament championships. Six ACC regular season championships. Three, three big East regular season championships. And I want to point that out. She won that in 01, 2012, and 23, 13. That's when UConn and Notre Dame were in the same conference. So she was beating the greatest uh, women's coach of all time, Gina Oriema, 2001, 2012, and 2013. She won three Big, big East titles against the greatest women's basketball coach of all time. And then she won a Big East tournament in 2013 against Gina Oriema as well. And so four-time AP Coach of the Year in 2001, 2013, 2014, and 2018 – Three-time Naismith Coach of the Year, 2001, 2013, and 14. USBWA Coach of the Year, 2001, 2013, 2014. And then in 2001, 13, and 14 was the WBCA Coach of the Year. And then the John R. Wooden Legend, Legends of Coaching Award in 2017. She won that as well. Two times national champion. Price should have been more had the cards just fell a little bit better to, to her. And again, she's coaching against Gino, who's probably the greatest coach of all time for women. The women's but again, the big time sport at Notre Dame in the last, especially last, because pretty much 2000, I know she won that title in 2001. And then she had some success in the tournament. They got to the Sweet 16 a couple of times. But once 2011 hit, so more or less like the last 10, 11, 12 years, at, yeah, probably her last 10 years, the big powerhouse for Notre Dame athletics was women's basketball and the most successful and the most, let's say the national titles and the final fours. So the success was pretty much women's basketball. And he needs to acknowledge that by naming this Muffet McGraw court at the Joyce center. So again, I'll, I'll, I will digress there. And again, I am going to, uh, as I mentioned in my last podcast, maybe that'll be next week, kind of take a deeper dive into, into the Manti Teo documentary since, you know, I'm a big pop culture, movie, TV show type of guy. And I did that with my earlier podcast. I want to get back to that a little bit, right? Because after, so I'm shooting for that maybe next weekend. And then the following weekend, we're pretty much into the football season. You know, September 3rd, we play Ohio State. And pretty much my podcasts are going to be, you know, a preview of the upcoming game. And then the more or less the analysis of what happened during the game and then a, you know, 
quick, you know, snippet of the preview to the preview of the podcast. So again, thank you for turning in again, Jack Swarbrick. You got to make this happen. This is a no brainer. Muffet McGraw court. It not just Tennessee needs to have their legendary women's basketball coach, the summit Tennessee got it. They, they knew what they were talking about. It was a no-brainer for them. This should be a no-brainer for you, too. And I'm pretty sure Coach Bray, Coach Phelps, they would all 110% agree with me right now. So, again, thank you for tuning in to Episode 14. And as always, go Irish!